Okay, let's get into the message today. The title of the message is, Who are the Incredibles? Who are the Incredibles? Now, this is one of my favorite movies that Pixar made. How many of you have seen this movie? Raise your hand. Yeah, love this movie. If you haven't seen this movie, it should be required watching. Um, my family is the Incredible family. Not that we have superpowers, but we are literally the exact family represented in the movie because, uh, no, seriously, we have a daughter who's oldest, and then we had a son shortly after her, and then we'd waited a long time, and the Lord said, surprise, and he didn't give us a Jack-Jack, he gave us a Jake-Jake. And uh, so we are that family, and of course my wife, she's flexible, like Elastigirl, there's a lot of things around the church. You have a wonderful pastor's wife here at Waters Church, a wonderful pastor's wife. And I am Mr. Incredible. No claps for that, I see, just laughter. No, no, don't clap, don't clap. I'm just joking. <laughs> What's the theme of the movie, though? The theme of the movie is there are superheroes, and uh, tribute to Stan Lee, by the way, who passed away. Um, superheroes in this fictional world um, who are saving people's lives, and then Mr. Incredible does something bad, actually. He does something good, but it becomes bad. He saves somebody's life who doesn't want to be saved. And the culture turns on the Incredibles like that. The Christian experience is going to seem a lot like what the Incredibles experience in the first half of that movie. And here's what they experience. The world tells them, we don't need you, we don't want you, assimilate or go away. And what the world doesn't know is they desperately need them. Amen. What a message for the church in our country. As our country slowly turns into that kind of atmosphere. Go away, Christians. Keep your faith private. That's fine. You want to, but, but, but keep it to yourself, right? That's the message of the, church, of the world today. Assimilate or go away. And what the world doesn't know and what you need to understand, Christian, is the world needs you. Yeah. Even when they say they don't, they do. The world needs not fake Christians, it needs committed Christians. The world doesn't need compromised Christians, culturally adapted Christians, Christians who don't take seriously the words of Christ. No, the world needs Christians who believe Jesus is the hope of every man, woman, and child, and if you put your faith in him, you shall be saved. The world needs us. And if we're not careful, we'll let that message of the world closet us. And we'll get shy about our faith. And we won't open our mouth and we'll try to just play along. No, that's not what the world wants, really. They say they want it, but they don't. They need salt and light. And that's exactly what Jesus calls us. Would you stand with me as we read from Matthew 5, verse 13? Here's what Jesus says about us. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and place it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine. Can we say those four words together on the count of three? One, two, three. Let your light shine. 
Where? Before others. Let it shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of God and not just the word of the general God. This is the word of God, the Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I ask that our hearts will be opened and our eyes will be opened and the eyes of our hearts will be opened. Help us to hear what you want us to hear. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. And help us to see Jesus. In his mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a seat. Who are the Incredibles? Well, who are the salt of the earth and the light of the world? And before you say me, (laughs) not me or you, before you say all of us, I can't make that assumption because I don't know where you are spiritually. And Jesus did not say these words, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world to the general populace of humans. He said it to a specific group, a group that he was calling to himself, a group that he would identify as his people. And so this word, this designation, this identification from Jesus Christ, the son, is for a certain group of people whom he has changed and transformed and brought into the family of God. How do I know who these people are and how do you know if you're one of these people? Well, what does Jesus say before this phrase, you are the salt of the earth? If you back up in the Matthew passage, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus opens the Sermon on the Mount with perhaps the most beautiful words in all of human history. We call them the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes because these are things that you should have inside of your heart. But what are those things? How does Jesus open the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then you are the salt of the earth. Why did I memorize that? How did I memorize that? Because listen, the Beatitudes are not a list of things that God is asking you to attain to. 
What Jesus is describing is the process by which we transform from people of darkness into the people of his light. He's describing the conversion experience. He's describing what it looks like to come to Jesus, to come to God. How do we do it? We begin with a poverty of spirit. And that means that I don't come to God with my arrogance and my righteousness and my goodness and my good personness. I come to God in desperate need and know that if he doesn't save me, I have no shot. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for yours are the resources of the kingdom of heaven. The moment you realize you need God, Jesus says, you got him. Blessed are the mournful. That sounds a little bit paradoxical, but he's talking about those who mourn their condition apart from God. And some of you were there and you've been there. And if you're in Christ, you definitely were there at some point. You saw how empty life was without God, without Jesus. Blessed are you in that moment because in that moment you turn to him and he fills you with joy. And then the meek. The meek are the ones who humble themselves before God and say, God, have mercy on me. And God says, I'm going to bless you and give you the land like I gave my children the sons of Israel, the land. Blessed are the hungry for righteousness. What does that mean? It means that you hunger for the righteousness. Listen to this very careful. The righteousness that God alone can give you by faith in Jesus Christ. It is not your righteousness. That means that none of us are right with God based on our goodness. The, the, the most poisonous religion on the planet is the religion of I'm a good person because you are not a good person. I know you're not a good person because I know that I'm not a good person and I'm on the stage. And the rule is whoever's listening to the person on the stage is worse than the person on the stage. I didn't make the rule. I just follow it. Amen. If I'm not a good person, I know you got no shot. You don't get to heaven saying I'm a good person. You get to heaven saying I'm a sinner who's saved by the only good person, Jesus Christ. Righteousness. And the moment that you want that righteousness is the moment you get it. You'll be satisfied. Righteousness means to have a legal justification, a legal right to stand before a holy God and know he accepts you. Then the merciful are the people who have gotten that and know they need to share it by being gracious and forgiving to others. And the pure in heart are the ones who know that there's still work to be done in here. Even though I've come to Christ, I, I need that purity. And what God is in the business of doing is he's in the business of purifying men's hearts, not necessarily changing men's ways first. A lot of people, and some of you, are trying to fix the externals, fix the externals. If I just get this job, if I just have that diet, if I just have these kids, if I just did this, if I just had this look, if I just had that thing or that or this or this, and we're trying to change the fruit of our lives and God's not interested in changing that yet, he wants to change the root of your life. You know you're one of these people, by the way, if your favorite TV shows are Dr. Phil, Oprah Winfrey, if you love some Deepak Chopra, and if you love Dr. Oz, Nothing against them, but they're just trying to deal with the fruit of your life. Jesus changes the root of your life. And only he, the son of the living God, can change the human heart. 
so that when you're changed in here, you begin to change out here. And then peacemakers are the people who work with Jesus to bring people back to peace with God. Peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Jesus made peace, the Bible says, through the blood of the cross. Death brought us peace. Jesus at the cross went to war with the enemy of our souls and won, but it cost him, it pained him, and if you're gonna be in the business of bringing people back to God, it's gonna cost you, it's gonna pain you, it's gonna cost you, and you're gonna feel like you're in a war sometimes, because we are, but we're not at a war with the different belief systems of this world, and we're not at a war with different people in this world, we're at war with the spiritual forces that are keeping men and women in darkness, and the weapons of our warfare are not better arguments but the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just so you know, Jesus says, if you get into this business, a lot of people aren't gonna like it. So blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because they will have the resources of the kingdom of heaven. And people will revile you and hate you and tell you, assimilate or go away. No, 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 no. We can't go away. We can't go away because when we got saved, we stayed on earth. <laughs> we didn't get saved and then, <laughs> where'd John go? Oh, he came to Jesus and went home. <laughs> he left us here to do what? To see his kingdom come and his will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. We are not so heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good. We are here to make a change in the political system of our world, in the school systems of our world, in the business and marketplace of our world, in every area of our society. We are the people that God has chosen and called to change for his purposes. You're salt and you're light. And if you've come to Christ, that's, that's who you are and you matter. I got four points and then we're done. Being salt and light means, number one, I have divine usefulness. I have divine usefulness. God has a use for you if you're in Christ. Verse 13, I'm the, you are the salt of the earth. I'm the salt. Why does Jesus say salt? Why doesn't he just say, you know what you are? You're the paprika of the world. <laughs> Why not basil? I'm a, I'm a half Italian. I like me some basil. Mint. I like mint. Why salt? Because Jesus knew how useful salt was. In Jesus' day, salt was useful in four ways. They cleansed newborn babies by rubbing them with salt. Uh, they flavored food like we do with salt. Uh, they preserved meat. They didn't have refrigerators, ice boxes, none of that. So they would preserve their meat by rubbing it with salt. My wife comes from South Africa. In South Africa, they have something called biltong. We call it beef jerky because we have no idea how to make it. South Africans, man, they make this stuff. It's delicious, but they rub it with salt. It dries out three days, and then it lasts for months without refrigeration because the salt is applied to what would ordinarily decay, and it is preserved. 
And in Jesus' day, three to four uses for salt. Do you know that according to the saltinstitute.org, which I didn't even realize existed until this week, Today we know, scientifically, that there are over 14,000 documented uses for salt. Do you think that Jesus chose salt on purpose? Absolutely. Do you think that Jesus, even though in his day they only used salt for maybe three or four things, understood that the chemical components resident in sodium chloride is actually far more useful than we at that time in human history had understood? Do you think that the son of the living God through whom all things were made and by whom all things were made and nothing was made that has been made that had not been made through him knew just how useful salt was? Of course. That's why you're not basil. You're salt because you have a use in the hand of God if you're in Christ. Now, the plurality of use, 14,000 uses. Your use is not my use, my use is not your use, but we all have a use, we all have a place, we all have a part to play, and that means you have a gift to give. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says it, each person has a special gift from God. One kind or another. Your gift does not have to be mine and mine does not have to be yours. And no, the best church gifts are not the ones on the stage in church on Sunday morning. They're the people who go out into the world and live for Christ. Sometimes they're not even seen and they're doing the work of the ministry right where they are. Ephesians 4, 7 says, He, God the Father, has given us each one a special gift, special gift, through the generosity of Christ. We're all different, and you're different by design to be used with the gifts that God has imparted into you, and like the Incredibles, we're gifted in different ways. So some of us are strong and natural leaders like Mr. Incredible. Some of us are flexible, go-with-it people like Elastic Girl. Some of us are small, but we're fast, like Dash. And some of us are protective by nature, like Violet. And then there's a couple of you. You got gifts coming out of your ears. You're like Jack-Jack. You got all kinds of gifts, right? <laughs> Gotta wait till the end of the movie to figure that out. And some of us have great beards. I'm sorry, I'm a narcissist. I'm sorry, just get that out there. <laughs> You don't have to have the same gift as the person next to you. He says, what if salt loses its taste? How can it be restored? What does Jesus mean by this? Well, in his day, the salt that they had was not from the container in, in the cabinet. They didn't have refineries. The salt that they had came from the shores of the Dead Sea, and it was a white dust mixed with sodium chloride, mixed with sodium. But because sodium is one of the most soluble, water-soluble substances, you could actually end up with the dust with the salt washed out, but it still looked like salt. He says, if that happens, what does he say? It's good for nothing. Usefulness. No, no, Jesus is not saying if you lose your saltiness, you lose your salvation. No. He's saying, don't lose your sense of purpose. Don't lose this, 
the knowledge that you know that you are on this earth by divine design, by a God who has created you, he has fearfully and wonderfully made you, and he has assigned you a purpose and a place in what he is doing in the world. Don't lose that. Can I say to some of you, don't let failure rob you from your sense of purpose in Christ. Because some of you beat yourselves up over the mistakes that you've made since you became a Christian. You have no problem with the mistakes that you made when you were not a Christian because after all, you were not a Christian, but then you became a Christian and you still made mistakes. And some of you made big time mistakes as a Christian and you beat yourself up. You beat yourself up about all the things that you did that make you unworthy to be used by God. Don't do it. You still got a use. If you got breath, you got use. I think this is why the scriptures spend so much time talking about Simon Peter in the gospels because if there's anybody who knew how to fail, it was him. Always opening his mouth and inserting his foot. Oh, Jesus, I know the answer. I know the answer. I know the answer. And Jesus was like, no, wrong again. And one time Jesus had to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How many know you're having a bad day following Jesus when he calls you Satan? (laughs) And then in the most epic failure of Christian history, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And then the tears. And when Jesus rises from the dead three days later, do you know what he does? He gives the angel a message for his disciples in Mark chapter 16. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite verses. He tells the angel to tell the women who are coming to the tomb, who don't yet know that he's risen, make sure you tell my disciples and Peter. I will see them again in Galilee. Why the and Peter? Because he knew that Peter was beating himself up over his failures and he didn't want his failures to be the final word over his life. And the same is true for you. You will blow it, you will make mistakes, but don't let that be defining. You still have a use if you've got breath in your lungs. Number two, being salt and light means I will be used in challenging conditions. You know, you're not gonna be used where it's easy. <laughs> no, that's the nature of being salt and light. You are the salt, you are the light. And these things by nature have to be applied to challenging circumstances. I've got two things there I want you to write down. Salt, again, remember, used to stop the decaying process of meat. So salt must be used in the decay Light must be used in the dark. Dark and decay. Not exactly comfortable conditions. Why does God have me surrounded by all these people that I don't like? Because without you, they would decay. Why does God have us up here in New England where it's very hard to tell people about Jesus? Because without us, New England would decay. We're holding, I, I know this sounds pompous and arrogant, but we are holding the world together. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. And it's not us, it's the Spirit of God in us. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that his passing power is not of us, but of him. You've got use. 
And light is only useful in the dark places. Chris, do you have your smartphone on you? Just fire up the flashlight for me, if you will, and then hand it to me. There you go. You got it. Notice this light does not really have much use right now because you're all sitting in well-lit spaces, right? How much of a difference maker this little flashlight is? But watch this. Ooh. Now it's doing something. Let's see if our cameramen are up to the challenge. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. And this light, which had previously been a very well-lit area, meant really nothing to any of you until the lights went out. And then some of you say, I'm just a small person. I'm just a small light. I don't matter. I don't matter. But I matter to you right now, Pam, don't I? See, Pam's lit up because I've come next to her. And my little light means a lot when I get close to someone who's sitting in darkness. Amen. Am I preaching yet? because you need to hear this. Because some of you are saying, Thanksgiving is coming. A holiday with all my heathens. Yes. Shine. That's why you're there. That's why you're in that family. That's why God has you there on assignment so that they can see this is what a Christian looks like. Not the caricatures of Hollywood, not the people that they mock on the television set, but people who truly love their neighbor as they love themselves because they know they were enemies of God and now they've been brought into his love. You can take this back, Chris. See how well lit it is again in this place? We don't need your light in here. It's already well lit. We need your light out there. In the dark places of our, we need Christians in politics. We need Christians in public school systems. We need them challenging the status quo. Let your light shine, he says, so that others can see your good works in 516. But in Matthew 6, 1, sounds a little bit contradictory. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. What gives, Jesus? Did you not remember what you just said in the first chapter? No, he's saying there's private religious piety, fasting, praying, giving, do that quietly, but then live out there as lights that are seen. And so let me just tell you what that means. Number three, all right, being salt and light means that I may not be appreciated at the time of my use. Oh, you need to hear this, Christian, because I have found that whenever God did a work in human culture that, listen to this very carefully, challenged the shared assumptions of that culture with the, with the convictions of the Holy Spirit, the culture persecuted the Christian. Did you catch that? I, I think of William Wilberforce who in large part was the catalyst, devout Christian in British Parliament in the 1700s, who because of his Christian conviction, worked himself to death to bring an end to the slave trade. And everybody hated him, 
and his friends rejected him and they thought he was crazy and they said, this is just how it is, William Wilberforce. This is just, we just have this. Why are you upending the apple cart? But he fought through the not being appreciated and accepted portion of his time on earth. And I think of Martin Luther King Jr. who challenged the cultural perceptions and the cultural agreement that there should be segregation. And he said, no, who says? This is what the scripture says. There's a great movie you should watch called The Vernon Johns Story. It's about the preacher who preceded Martin Luther King at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. And he was actually the one who started through the scriptures challenging the legality of segregation and the church, his own church, rejected him and ousted him, and the guy they got to replace him was named Martin Luther King Jr. How is that working out for you? <laughs> but Martin Luther King was terrorized, hated by his culture. I have found that those who challenge the status quo of culture in the name of Christ are often rejected in the culture. But generations after them revere them. So what about our culture? Is everything okay? What about the stain of abortion? Right now. And if you've had an abortion, our message to you is not judgment, but mercy and forgiveness. But this is a stain on culture right now. He said, oh, it's uncomfortable that you talk about this. It was uncomfortable when Martin Luther King talked about what he talked about. Oh, but there's pastors who say that it's okay. There was pastors in the South saying segregation was okay. Pastors. And the ones who stood up and said something lived beyond themselves. And the church needs to tell the world there's a better way to see the conception process as a divine work of a holy God who patterns us together in our mother's womb. And every single one matters. Every single one matters. This is our job in this generation, and someday, years from now, I believe that stain will be over. And they'll be looking back on the preachers and the Christians who spoke up. And the ones who kept silent will be forgotten. Because we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so Jesus says, you know, when you start doing this stuff, you're gonna be reviled, persecuted, and spoken evil against falsely. They're gonna tell you, they're gonna call you names, false names. And he says, look, I want you to realize that when that happens, you're joining that great pantheon of the prophets who are before you. Because now, every Christmas, people read, even non-Christians, even Hallmark cards, have the words of Isaiah written on them and spoken by them. And yet when Isaiah said those words, Isaiah was the least popular prophet in his generation. And Jeremiah challenged God's people to turn to him and not trust in chariots and horsemen. And they kicked him out of the palace and put him in a pit. And he had a breakdown of faith there and he said, God, what's going on? I'm doing what you want and everybody hates me. But today, their books have made it into God's best seller. And they're revered. You're not gonna be appreciated. Get over that. 
What appreciation do you need? You have the acceptance of a holy, righteous Father who loves you with an everlasting love. Who do you need to love you if, if, if he loves you? Who do you need to accept you if he accepts you? Who do you need to approve you and say you're wonderful if he's already said it? Let the world hate you. Your Father in heaven loves you. And he puts you in a family with people who will love you in spite of you because they know that they're loved in spite of themselves. And number four, and finally, being salt and light means I'm not meant to hide. So come out and shine. I'm not meant to hide. You are not meant to hide. You are the light, and a city on a hill can't be hidden. Don't you hide. Ephesians 5, 8 says, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk in it. Let me tell you how Waters Church has shined over the last year. 2018 was our 15th year of existence. And I shared with you at the beginning of this year that we were going to do 15 wishes for 15 people in honor of 15 faithful years of God's faithfulness in our church. Amen. And I'm proud to announce that we got them all done. <laughs> 15 wishes. And we're going to release a, a feature-length documentary on it on December 15th and 16th. So be on the lookout for that. It's very exciting. I want to tell you what we did. We bought three people cars. We made several mortgage payments to several families in dire need. We put a fence around a lady's yard because her child has special needs. We installed a new washer and dryer for a single mother. We put two bedroom sets into another house for a single mother with three children. And perhaps most touching of all, there was a married couple. Both of them had cancer. And uh, we sent them on an all-expense paid vacation for one week together. And two weeks after that vacation, the husband passed away. But because of your giving and your shining, they had one last week together. That's the church being the church. And then you saw my wife and Marianne talk about Night to Shine coming, out, coming up on February uh, 8th. And you want to be a part of this. You want to be a part of this because we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we want to celebrate the people that the world ignores. And so next week, there's going to be a white tree outside in the, in the lobby, a white Christmas tree where there will be ornaments. And we're asking you to purchase for $50 or $100. $100 gets one ticket. But we decided to do 50 because that might be a stretch for some of you. But many of you could buy two or three ornaments. Do so starting next week, all throughout the Christmas season. Please do not make Christmas all about making your children happy. Do not. Make Christmas about Christ, who goes after the ones the world forgets. And so shall we. And then on top of all of that, night to shine, and uh, 15 for 15, every week, when you come into this clean facility, get coffee, check your kids in, get parked, get greeted, you get greeted by Incredibles all around us. Yeah, so for the last movie clip of our At The Movie series, we're not going to show you Hollywood celebrities. We're going to show you Heaven's celebrities. Watch this.
These are the Incredibles. Here we are with parking people. So glad to have these people. Hey, is there more <laughs> I love these guys. Rain, snow, sleet, hail. For you. No matter what, like the mail, like the post office. <laughs> is serving the Lord incredible or what? It's it incredible. We thank you for what you do. You guys are awesome out here. Woo Serving the Lord incredible? Yeah, you guys are incredible. Thank you so much. This is a lovely and the turdo guest relations leader. So glad to have you. Serving the Lord incredible or what? Amen. Here at Waters Church, Ed, what do you think about service today? Like you mean it. Like you're screaming at your boys. <laughs> I want to talk about do anything, be there kind of guys. This guy right here, Rick. Hi guys. One of our best is serving the Lord incredible. Yes sir, it is. It's amazing. Oh, so glad for you, Rick. This is our amazing Deacon team. Come on, everybody. Serving the Lord is incredible. What do you guys say? Serving the Lord is incredible. I just thank God for people like this, keeping us safe every single week. So Robert, you like doing what you do here? Serving the Lord incredible? Absolutely. Absolutely, all right. Daniel. You had some water church here every week, especially this service. Maybe me and my beard. What would you say? Incredible! Incredible! These are some of our tech people. Hey, is serving the Lord incredible or what? Yeah, yes. love it. <laughs> All right. Hey, nice beard. <laughs> okay, service just ended for the weekend. Here's Joe Mellon. He's one of our sound techs. If it's too loud, blame him. Yes, blame me. Is serving the Lord incredible or what? Yeah, we, we thank God for you. Not a very thankless job back here, but I thank you. Yeah. Do a great job. All right, awesome. I had to describe the services one way. What was that, Brian? Incredible. Incredible. The awesome cafe workers. Serving the Lord is incredible. How would you describe the coffee here at Waters Church? It's incredible. Yeah. What do you think about the coffee and muffins? They're incredible. Church team, what do you guys say? Serving the Lord is incredible. I'm here with security at Waters Church, and in maybe a couple words, Matt, how would you describe the security here at Waters Church? Well, we're incredible, don't you know? Deacons everywhere here at Waters Church is serving the Lord incredible, or what? Oh, I'm sorry, you're you're an elder, but you're also on security. Look at that. That's it. Uh, whatever it takes, you know. Whatever it takes. Thad and Rondi with yeah. us for many, many years now. Yes, we've been we here love a while. serving. We I love it. We don't know what to do when we're not serving, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel we when I'm not it. preaching. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here with Lauren, and she's uh, part of the serve team. Lauren, how would you simply describe serving here at Waters Church? Oh, it's wonderful. It's absolutely incredible. Here I am with Felix Shilon. That's right. You may see him on the stage preaching. You may see him doing the starting point class, which is he's doing today. That's right. And you might see him doing security. This, this is what happens at Waters Church. Anybody's willing to do anything. That's what makes serving the Lord incredible. Right. I feel so blessed and privileged to be here in Waters Church, to serve in different capacities. So um, thank God and to God be able to glory. Waters Church has been an incredible blessing in our lives. And we're from Here we are at the Growth Track Next Step Center. Next Step Center. This is Tom Gasper. He's one of our teachers, and you serve the Lord every week here at Waters Church. Isn't it incredible? It is incredible. From the parking lot to the Growth Track Center, 
Uh, we spend a lot of time just loving on people, and that's what it's all about. So it's great. I love going to Waters. It's incredible. These are our awesome Jonas <laughs> workers. Is serving the Lord incredible Amen. or what? Amen. Amen. The incredible people of Waters Church. That's right. Serving the Lord is incredible. How awesome is Waters Kids? 